last week i spoke on three of the ships that you need to sail through number one i discussed censorship because you cannot determine what comes to you but you can determine what you accept in life jesus in his parable said a man went and cast out his net the kingdom of heaven is like a man who cast his net caught many fish and when he had sat down he decided to select the good from the bad so you cannot stop what comes to you but you can determine what you accept i move on from there to talk about authorship because life is a story you must write yourself if you are in charge of your life if you take charge of your life you can survive several storms i discuss the five ways that you can you can build your own story and write your own story i spoke about relationships and i said that because human beings are the best support systems in times of crisis we discuss the five p's you will find in any relationship that can help you survive the storms in day two which is part two i'm going to try to look at additional ships that can help you help you survive the storm so number four is worship worship because worship works for you works for you and makes way for you you, see, you are designed built for worship god created you to worship him but worship is not what we come to do at church as an item on the program it's time for worship we close our eyes we lift up our hands and then we sing songs to god in, in telling god of his greatness and his might and his great works and his mighty works in our lives no that is not worship worship goes beyond that worship is the totality of your relationship with jesus how you serve him how you share him how you sacrifice for him how you allow him to shine through you they are all worship but you see worship builds you up and makes you strong if you and makes you strong to survive every battle i was with one of the greatest men of god in this country today i was telling him my story of how i came to the sprinters road it is my relationship with christ that has brought me this far and usually i want you to understand you see when you say your relationship with god other people will just take it for granted because people believe god is for everyone and jesus is for christianity but there's only one true god and that God can only be assessed through Jesus. He's the only way to that God. 
And so sometimes I want to be sure that people know the kind of God I'm talking about. And so I place emphasis on Jesus so they know. Worship is the totality of your relationship with Jesus. It involves how you serve him. It involves how you share him with those who don't know him. It involves how you allow him to shine through you. It involves the sacrifices that you make for him. That is worship. In fact, at the center of worship is this kind of service that you render to God. In my language, in the Chi language, worship is translated awesome. Awesome simply means service. So sometimes I see people when music is going on, they lie down, they say, oh, Me, I love worship. Me, I love worship. Me, I love worship. And, and it is the least of what you can describe as worship. At the heart of worship is the totality of your relationship with Jesus. The only way to heaven, Jesus, the only Son of God, Jesus. The bread of life. Jesus. The only way to God. Without him, there is no other way. And no man can experience salvation without him. Are, are you here? And it's important that you keep this understanding in your mind. We are not all worshipping the same God. Anybody who tells you we are all, all religions are worshipping the same God. Please. Jesus said, I am the way. The way. He didn't say, I am a way. He said, I am the way. You see? Now, now all other religions be believe that Jesus is one of the ways. And their leaders, their founding leaders, are also one of the ways. So at least Jesus being the way is not disputed by the other religions. They just show that he is not the only way, but he's one of the ways. But Jesus disputes all others. And he says he is the only way. So he is the only undisputable way. Undisputed way. Why it means that in probability, it is 100% sure that he is the way. Are, are you here? That is why you must serve him, commit to him, love him, and share him. Tell everybody about Jesus. In doing so, you build a stronger relationship with God. And as you build a strong relationship with God... It makes you strong. For they that know their God shall be strong and shall do exploits. Whatever we have achieved in life is as a result of we knowing Him and serving Him from the bottom of our hearts and making sure that every price we have to pay, we will pay it. 
was the leader of one of the mainline churches today. And he kept telling me how I have been a blessing to this country. And they lived one of the mainline churches today. And I was telling him my developmental, my Christian developmental stages. And he was amazed that you went through all this and you still kept your faith. Having a strong relationship with him, serving him, sharing him, sacrificing your life, your time, your money, and things to him makes you strong. And you can stand the test of times. But you see, at the center of true worship is how God-minded you are. Isaiah 23 verse, Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusted in thee. You see, when you are a true worshiper of God, he takes over your mind. The greatest battle, spiritual battle you are going through now, it's not a battle against your marriage or the battle against your finances or the battle against your health. It is a battle for your mind. The devil's number one agenda is to shift your mind from God. Because he knows that those whose minds stay on him, they enjoy peace in their lives. So even though the storms will come, they will still have peace. I told the story of a woman whose husband was, was a serious womanizer. The woman used to be fat, grew lean. They lived in a certain community. People knew her story. They relocated. Years later, a friend met her and she's become very nice, powerful, beautiful, younger woman. Then the friend asked, Oh, has your husband stopped worrying you? She said, it's even worse. But this time, I am born again. So I'm facing this storm with Jesus. My mind is stayed on him. So in the midst of my storms, I have peace. That's why the devil will fight you to take your mind off him. The devil will do everything to ensure that your mind is taken off him. Now, look at this diagram. Can we go to the next one? Look at that diagram. A very important one. Now, I shared a story with you of how when I came out of Bible school, I was a confused young pastor. I was very prayerful, very studious, very evangelistically inclined. And yet, I was confused. Because there are some things that don't get solved just because you pray. There are principles that governs everything. Every life you want to have, there are principles that govern it. So one day I was praying and God asked me to draw my head. I drew my head. And God asked me, everything in my head, I should put it inside the head I've drawn. I put it. And God said, apportion to them percentages. In terms of how they engage your mind. Marriage, 50%. Yeah, I wanted to marry. Young man, 
Having seen a woman before, hot pasta. I, I wanted to marry. I was burning. I, wa I was burning. I was looking for fire service. <laughs> so, so marriage, 50%. Accommodation, 10%. You don't have accommodation. No. A marriage has occupied your mind. Ministry, some 7%. Family, some 10%. Then when I finished apportioning everything, I was left with some 2%. I forgot it. Why, 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 why is this 2% for? Why is this 2% for? God said, it's me. God said, you know something? You are praying, you are fasting, you are working, but your focus is not on me. He said, all these things you are doing, your focus is on your marriage. You are serving me so that I'll bless you with a good marriage. You are serving me so that I'll bless you with good ministry. You are serving me, so I'll bless but you are not serving me for me. You are not serving me for who I am. He said, your motive is wrong. I said, Lord, so what should I do? You see, that's, that's why sometimes eh, we can pray, we can fast, and yet we don't get results. Because God weighs every motive. God is not a businessman. You cannot transact business with him. Father, I do this, you do this for me. I do that, you do that for me. He, he, that's not what he's looking for. That is not what God is looking for. God is looking for a selfless man whose mind is stayed on him and your motivation for doing anything for him is him. Your understanding that you were created shaped because of him. So look at this drawing. See, you see. So most of us here, this is the way our mind looks. Success, want to be successful, marriage, money, job and business, problems, family, and God is out of our thinking. And these things, they engage our minds. You see, if your mind, your mind is engaged with these things, the least of you fall. Because the real strength of a man in his, is in his mind. If you are mentally tough, you can go through anything, everything. Your real strength is in your mind. One day I slept very late. I have done a lot of work. I have prayed with people. I have prayed into the middle of the night. And I slept very late. Just after one hour of sleeping, I had to wake up and go somewhere. Because I had to be the sprinter's traffic. I went to the washroom. Sat on the toilet. I was still dozing off. And then the Lord said to me, just make up your mind that you are going. Because whether you are feeling sleepy or not, this thing you will go. Just make up your mind you are going. So I just opened my eyes, tuned my mind, I am going. Suddenly, I didn't know where strength came from. Just strength just came in. I told the story of a man who was attacked by a bear in the middle of a forest. He was bleeding and managed to walk a long distance to, towards the road. When he got to the roadside and saw that people had seen him, he collapsed. So when he, was, he finally recovered, they asked, me, they asked him, how is it that you were able to survive bleeding 
from the middle of the forest and then when you go to the roadside, you collapsed. He said, throughout the time I was working in the forest, I said to myself, if I collapse here, I will die. No one will see me. Let me collapse where people will see me. So I postponed. I, I just made sure that... <laughs> yeah, I postponed the collapse. I just I know I, I know I'm going to collapse. I knew he knew he was going to collapse. Blood has he has lost a lot of blood and was going to collapse. But he chose where he wanted to collapse, when he wanted to collapse, and how he wanted to collapse. And once he made up his mind, he survived. Immediately he saw people and let that strength go. He collapsed. So your mind is the strongest tool you have. It is, it, is the, it is the most important tool for your success in life. What makes it strong and stronger and more powerful is the God consciousness. Hallelujah. Keeping the thoughts of God in your mind. Thinking about, your, about God consistently. And whatever you do, you do it through the lens of God. Your work. Look at this. God-mindedness. You see? So all these things. So you want success. But you are looking at success to the lens of God. Now God occupies your mind. All the pieces of puzzles in your mind are occupied by God. And things just fall in place. The last few weeks we've had a number of visits from the National Accreditation Board to our university. Uh, we are doing re institutional reaccreditation. We are doing reaccreditation of our MBA. We are we have um, new programs that we have taken to accreditation board. They are coming for visits, and they are coming for visits. There's one thing that runs through all those who came. Immediately they arrive at Accra Business School. They see the facility, especially those who saw how we started. They just come in there and they are like, wow, how did you get here? One lady recently came, I think, was it? Um, Monday. They are run on Monday. And she said, you know, the first group that came to do the accreditation visit, when you were at Community 18, I was part of them. And he said, within this short space of time, this is where you have arrived. This is where you have come to. Then I saw how strong you become when you are God conscious. That God even does the things. Because the things that people see and they are marveled, you are not marveled at them because you know you did not do it. In fact, it is people that tell you how great you have become. That do you understand what I'm talking about? Now, many people who know me, or who knew me when I, I was nobody sitting somewhere in some uncompleted, still come across me and they are surprised that, ah, you are the same person, no protocol, you are there, you are talking to everybody, church closes, you are around, everybody has access to you and all those. Do you know why I do those things? I do those things because I take no glory for anything I have done. 
Honestly speaking, until people call my attention to what I have done, I don't really see it. Because if you tell me whether I have the intelligence to do what we have done, I don't. I honestly don't. But as I, I meditate on God's word, as I think about God, through my meditation, he begins to give me ideas. He begins to reveal things to me. He begins to say, do this. He begins to say, do that. He begins to say, do that. We have about four or five new programs that are coming out with two top universities from the UK. How did that happen? Just lying my somewhere, thinking about my something. The Lord reminds me of a, an old professor I met several years ago at a coffee shop. And then the Lord says to me, the next 10 years, the last 10 years, I built you a kingdom. So the next 10 years, build a kingdom for me and I'll give you an empire as 60. So I said to myself, I want to focus more on church. I need somebody to come and take over the university as the president. Then the Lord reminds me of this man. I go several years back into my, um, my communication with him. Get his email address. I'm doubting if he's still using it. Because I'll change mine. So I'm doubting if he's still using it. Get, just try send him a mail that this is me. So, so, so try to remind me when we met my university is growing and I need a president. Uh, could you please lead the recruiting, recruitment team for me? He writes back to me. He says, I'm on retirement. I'm free. I can take over the university for you. Uh, a retired professor from Cambridge. And immediately, he begins to connect me around the world. Top-notch professors. Top-notch professors. Begins to connect me. This university wants to talk to you. This university wants to talk to you. This university wants to talk to you. And then, we begin to have chats. And then they begin to become reality. And then, then my mind goes back to that little thought that came to my mind whilst I was meditating and praying on my bed. And God says, I need you to build me a kingdom, focus on my kingdom, and I'll give you an empire. And I take my phone, look for this number, new email address, guesses, sends an email, and suddenly in one year, this has happened. And I'm wondering those whose mind has stayed on him, he gives them a peaceful life. Please, take people's matter from your mind. And let God stay in your mind. Focus on him. Make God. You want to succeed? Focus on him. You want to build a strong family? Focus on him. You want to solve your problems? Focus on him. You want to marry well? You want your marriage to go well? Focus on him. You want money? Focus on him. You want job? You want to build a solid business? Focus on him. Just focus on him. Hmm. You know how, how, how many people can go through life a whole day without remembering that they are even Christians? Even to remember you are a Christian, you can forget. No, you can finish fighting before you remember, hey, I'm a Christian. No, I shouldn't have done that. 
I've never ever forgotten that I'm a man. How can the concept of being a man stay in my mind forever? It's the same way God can keep being in your mind forever. I wake up in the morning, the first thing is I'm thinking about God. I go to bed thinking about God, what I can do for him. How, what can we do? The young people who have started coming to church, how, how do we build them to stay? How do they become stabilized? That's why sometimes some of you think that daddy runs too many programs. Daddy runs too many programs. You know, those who complain, they run around too many programs are because they don't simply understand a God conscious man. When you think about God, you give you something to do. I'm telling you. I brought the professor who is running um, Bible school for us, and the Bible school has been very, very good. Right. Run the Bible school for us, and I pay him every day he comes here. I pay him. I pay him from my own resources. I meet him outside there every Sunday, give him the envelope to go. I pay him, I pay him. Because my, my thinking, how do I grow these people for the Lord? They need theological foundations, and I need to make sure they have it. Now we are planning for the youth Bible school. Right. How do we get these youth that are now coming into this church? Should, should we just allow them to just come to this church and don't know Jesus and just be form a society, sleep with each other, get girlfriends here, get boyfriends here, do not understand what they are doing. They think church is a society of committee of friends. Your department is not a committee of friends. Women fellowship is a committee of friends. Um... Um, men's is a committee of friends. Youth is a committee of friends. Choir is not a committee of friends. Prayer world is not a committee of friends. It is a ministry. You are called. It is a way in which you are serving God. And you must be God conscious. When a choir is coming upstage to sing, don't be conscious of what you are wearing and what you are not wearing, what you got and how you didn't get a new clothes so you can come and stand on the this thing and how people are looking at your shoe or looking at your this thing. That is not your your mission here. Your mission is not to look at yourself and pay attention to yourself. It is him. It is him. You must focus on him. Think about him. Think about him. Think about him. Think about him. Everything you do, it must be him. I'm not saying that come here naked and say I'm, I was thinking about him. <laughs> I'm not saying that be irresponsible and say I'm, I was thinking about him. Can I preach? So, so for me, eh, for me, when I see people who say we have served God and we have seen nothing, I've been a Christian for so many years and I've seen nothing. Please check yourself again. Well, well, I don't, I don't even, I'm not even surprised that you are saying you have been a Christian for so many years and you have seen nothing because. A Christian is a strange language. Jesus is, is, is a foreign language for Jesus. Jesus never called anybody a Christian. What he called was a disciple. If you want to be my disciple, do this, do this, do this, do this. When we get to heaven, we will not know the word Christian. The word that is there is disciple. And learn someone learning at the feet of Jesus who wants to become like his master. Are you here? Who wants to become like his master? Because he's learning at the feet of Jesus and wants to become like his master. That's how church should be. 
Church should be a place where we come to learn about Jesus because we want to be like him. We must enter here as disciples, not as Christians. Hey. So, so, so me, eh? Me, I don't get surprised when people spend long time in church and they are still the same. Because they are never disciples. They are Christians. Can I not speak? It says, the feed, the feed ship that can take you through the storms is leadership. Because those who lead themselves move forward. Now, I am not talking about I am not talking about I am not talking about you leading someone. I'm talking about you leading yourself. One day, in my conversation with God, in my conversation with God, my little girl, Titibia, usually comes around to my room. She's my harasser in chief. Today, she came to harass me. I said, Titibia, I'm going to resign as a father. You'll be there. I'll write you a letter. Resignation as a father of Titibia. She's my harasser in chief. So normally, she'll come and chance on me Talking to God. Walking up and down and talking to God. Are you talking to God? Sometimes she says, are you preaching to yourself? You know, on a regular basis. In one of my conversations with God, I was just thinking about how far I've come from the time I came here and how I got here. Now, you know Philo has no relatives. But success has many fathers. So when I was living in the uncomputer building and I was squatting here, I had no people who were calling me Sam. But there, were peop- there are people now who my platform is a blessing. It adds to their CV. Who I used to go and look for to come and speak for me and they rejected me. Somewhere in their office. They asked that they should come and tell me they were not there. Now, so... So I asked myself, how did I get here? I had no leader, I had nobody over me. How did I get here? The Lord said to me, self-leadership. The Lord said, you didn't need anybody to ask you to get up to pray. You were consistently waking up yourself to pray. You didn't need anybody to tell you, don't cheat on your wife, don't do this, don't do this. You were consistently keeping your, your garment clean. You didn't have anybody to tell you come to church early. You were consistently in church ahead of time. The Lord said, that is self-leadership. He said, that period where you are no one to look up to, where you are no one to instruct you, when you are no one to teach you, when you are no one to love you, when you are no one to respect you, you decided to take the bull by the horn and lead yourself. The most difficult person to lead is yourself. And if you succeed in leading yourself, you can lead anything. Right now, I am the head of the church. I'm the head of my family. I'm the head of Accra Business School. I'm the head of everything. But guess what? But guess what? I'm not going around fooling. I'm not going around picking money. I'm traveling to America. I'm going to spend some time there. And I'm going here. I have the money. I can do it. But I'm leading myself. My last born is 11 years old. 
should I be spending? <laughs> because, because I can do it. No, 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 no. I'm leading myself. In terms of finance, I'm leading myself. I do not need anyone to instruct me. If I get it, it's a blessing. It's a plus. It's a blessing. It's a plus. But no matter how you are led, if you can't lead yourself, you arrive nowhere. You arrive nowhere. For me as an employer, if I'm coming to you as my employee, and you see me and you realize that you are not doing what you are being paid to do, and you panic, and you are closing your, your screens. I know, I'm standing there, I'm not looking at your screen, I'm standing behind your distance, but I know that all the, this thing you are pressing is because you are doing something other than the work you are paid to do. That is lack of self-leadership. And you go anywhere. When I worked for people who had traveled outside and nobody was interested in the church and nobody, the resident pastor wasn't interested in the church, it wasn't his church, it wasn't, I provided leadership to myself. I provided leadership to myself. And I want to show you, I want to show you how you can provide leadership to yourself. It helps you to survive. It helps you to survive. It helps you to survive. It helps you to win. It helps you to go through the storms. You don't need anyone to tell you don't cheat on your wife. You don't need anyone to tell you save your money for the future. If you are wise, you will lead yourself. No, no, no. Proverbs Six, six and seven. Go to the ant, you slogan. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander or ruler, yet it sourced its provisions in summer and gathered its food at harvest. The ant, they have survived not because they had commanders, not because they had rulers, not because they had leadership over them. But because they led themselves, they lead themselves, they lead themselves, they lead themselves, they lead themselves. Own a cat and see. The cat tastes its own bath. It's a cat licking itself, licking itself, licking itself. You have to bow for your dog. It's a dog spirit that at your age, your wife has to tell you to take your bath before you bath. Or your mother has to beg you to take your bath before you bath. But oh, oh, yeah, 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 you are a dog. That's why they don't do dog walk, they do cat walk. Because you see, cat walk, the way cat walks, eh, cat walks avoids all the death and avoids, they take their step, dogs. You can't dog walk and succeed, you must cat walk and succeed. I, are you here? Hey! Hmm. Am I preaching? So, 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 this is how, this how I led myself. And I want to show you. Number one. Number one. The aunt teaches that success is prediction. You must see ahead. Success is prediction. When I came to Sprinter's Road, I saw ahead. Where I want to take to be. Where I am going. 
as a result of what I see, as a result of what I see, or what I saw when I came to Sprinter's Road, as a result of what I saw, it regulated my behavior. It regulated my behavior. I didn't have time for people who well, didn't love prayer, virtually spent all my time in Achimota Forest. Those of you who were with me in the wooden structure would tell you um, there, was, there, was, there was no prayer camp we did not go. Basebi. I've been with me for long, you know, Apostle. Kodiabe prayer camp, um, irrigation. irrigation authority, Achimota. About all the church offering was used for retreat. I get young people, let's go and pray. I disciple them. I, that's why Pastor Tony and all those people have become successful pastors. So, sat them down, made sure I poured into them. And I, I knew where I was going. And the kind of people I needed around me to go with. Tutored them, taught them. I used to, every month I used to drive to the actual mountains. We stayed there and pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. I knew well because of I could predict my future. What I saw in the future regulated my behavior. I just get up in the middle of the night just to go and um, ease myself, weary. And then whilst I'm just walking, I remember and I see where I want to go. It turns into prayer. It turns into prayer. It caught up with the whole church. Morning devotion of 4 a.m. People came at 2 a.m. to begin to pray. Now people come to me and say, Bishop, now there's too much on you. You should rest a little. Well, I believe I must rest. But you see, where I am going wakes me up. Gives me energy. If you can't predict the future, forget it. If you can't predict the future, you mess up today. Leave me for six months and you will come. I have moved on significantly. I have moved on significantly. Leave me for some few months. You will come, I am gone. A man who sees the future is always on the run. I have no time to sit down and talk. B, the aunt teaches that success is premeditation. If you see ahead, you think ahead. If all that is occupying your mind is what you will get today, eat today, and finish today, David said, eh, God give me the... Um, don't give me more than what I, I, I need for today. That was David's prayer. Even he who prayed that prayer, look at how much he left for his son Solomon. Think futuristically. This mind that God has given, this head that God has given you, you must think into the future. You must be a generational thinker to survive today. It is the legacy you want to leave that creates a certain determination. To keep fighting on. I think beyond 
my children. I think about my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. What can I leave? What kind of legacy can I leave? When I'm dead and gone, can a great-grandchild of mine stand somewhere and say, because of my great-grandfather, I did not suffer? There's some of you, you didn't name your children after your father. Because if you saw the way he was behaving and misbehaving and beating your father and beating, beating your mother and drinking here and there and did not pay your school fees, you say, me, I will name my child after this man. You call your father this man. Yeah. And your children can do the same to you. If you don't think gener- transgenerationally. Look at you. At your age, you get money. You're buying cars. For everybody to see that you're a big boy. Everybody see you're a big boy. I, I, I buy cars every six years. Until my car is rotten, I don't go and buy another car. I can afford five cars at a time in my house. I can, if I want to. I wouldn't have put all those money into these facilities I'm building there. I would have used to buy flashy cars. Come on, how much in the Ferrari? Hey, Charlie, bishop, 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 bishop. Me, I don't want fans, so I don't want fans. I want glory. Certain people want fans. This man, I want glory. I want my great grandchildren to gather and come to the cemetery, to my tomb, and say, Great grandfather, we didn't come to meet you. Some of us, some of us met you. Some of us did not come to meet you. Some of us did not come to meet you. But we have been told of the things you did for our fathers and our grandfathers. And we are even benefiting from it. And I'm in heaven, I'm looking at them, talking to my empty tomb. And I'm sitting down there with Abraham, looking at Abraham and say, Abi, you were not the you were not the only one whose seed got blessed through you. My seed also got blessed through me. Oh, the last time I was just sitting down, I was sitting down thinking, the way I'm raising my children now, would my grandchildren be Christians? Would my great-grandchildren be Christians? Would my great-great-great-grandchildren be Christians and strong and love the Lord? Then I woke up, started praying. Lord, give me the wisdom to make sure that nobody from my line will ever taste alcohol or smoke cigarettes or leave church. Started praying in the middle of the night. Ah, ah. That's the way you should be thinking. What will happen to you if you are in heaven and you see your great-grandchildren have become drug addicts, have become lesbians, have become nobodies, and they're messing up around town? What will, how will you be feeling? How will you be feeling? Because, because you were not generational even in your Christian life. Even in your Christian life, you want to leave it for yourself. You can't even call your children and sit them down and teach them the Bible. You want to live for yourself. Am I preaching to you? Am I talking to someone? 
Now, the arm teaches that success is proaction. You must act ahead. You must act ahead. Friends, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Time is waiting for no one. What will pay you? In August, I'm starting the New Beginning series. And the part one is called START. And START is an acronym. And the S in START is season. What, what pains people eh, eh, and breaks their heart is to see that you miss your seasons. And now you are trying to do what you should have done 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and you are not trying to do it. The energy is not there. The passion is not there. Nothing is there. And the small, small boys that you are going to try to get it are laughing at you. Old man, you will die. You, you will die. Why don't you have children? Because you missed your seasons. Never procrastinate. Never postpone. What has to be done must be done now. When, when I come talking to you on start and I talk about season, I'll tell you three ways to start things. Some people, you are in your season where you must kickstart something. Some people, you are in a season where you must restart something. And some people, you are in a season where you must jumpstart something. And when you get to jumpstart, eh, you will be at the mercies of people. Because you need somebody's energy to help you energize yourself. Some of you, eh, the most difficult thing to do is to restart. Because to restart will mean that you are failed. To you, that's how it is. But I can tell you something. Sometimes, in some journeys, it is better to return and start all over again than to continue to go into, into nothing. You keep going, and you keep going, and you, and, you, and you think, where I have reached there, where I have reached there, if I go back, I'm going to waste my time. But you're already wasting your time. You are going nowhere. You are going into oblivion. You are going. You are going, and it's not ending. Sometimes, it is better to restart. It is never a defeat if you decide to retreat. Are you here with me? But the, sometimes the most difficult thing for people to do is to restart. restart. If you don't want to get to restarting and jumpstarting, you must kickstart now. Act. In the beginning, God created you see, everything must have a beginning. If we keep postponing, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it next week. I'll do it this. I'll do it that. I'll do it this. I'll do it that. I'm surprised that the team I have in my office at Accra Business School is the best team in the world. The way I run fast and move fast and they can keep pace with me. Sometimes mommy calls me and says, honey, these people are tired. Let them go home. I say, no, I am not only their employer. I am also their mentor. So I am also mentoring them in the midst of employing them. I'm teaching them how to work long hours. He said, you are becoming a workaholic. I said, no. Workaholism is using long hours to do something you don't get results for. But when you use long hours to do something you get results for, it's called hard work. <laughs> are you here? 
So I, I'm actually announcing to my staff that we are still going to continue to work. Oh, sometimes, sometimes people leave my office at 1 a.m. 1 a.m. People are leaving office now. You can see from their face they are tired. And me, the old man, I'm still here. So why will you be tired? Then mommy will say, honey, you, then you leave them and come and sleep. I said, no, that's not a good, good leadership. I must be here. Let them see that we are doing. But there are also other people in my office. Five o'clock, they take their bag, they are gone. Oh, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter what, whether the company will collapse or not. It's the end of their business. They are taking their bags, they have gone. Those have led them to their destiny. <laughs> Aya. Aya. You see, me, eh? I'll pay any price for my happiness. I'll pay any price for my happiness. If I know if I touch you, you'll cause me pain and say things about me, I'll leave you. It's a cheaper price that causes me pain. That's right. That's right. Oh, yeah, yeah. I will ignore you. It's a cheaper price that causes me pain. So that you would think you are worse than me, but you are actually foolish. Because, because I'm giving you a long rope to tie your own neck. <laughs> that is true. I'll give you a long rope to tie your own neck. <laughs> Even I'm one of my pastors. There are some people when they come to church late, I don't talk. I just look at them coming late. I just look at them. The others when they come late, I rebuke. And I talk to them. The others, I just look at them. Well, what do you want me to say? So I go and talk? No, no, I won't say it. Do whatever you want to do. I didn't die for you. D, the aunt teaches that success is progression. Move ahead. Brother, let, let nothing hold you in one place. Move ahead. Your life must be progressively progressive. <laughs> let me tell you something. You, you, you all know I love, I love marriage. So let me use marriage as, as honest something. Not the last time. I was just telling mommy that, do you know that after 29 years, we still look like we are courting. It's just like we are courting. You know why? Because I'm progressive. I don't do the same thing. I'm, 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 I'm a living below. I, I am alive, Papa. And when you are alive, you are dynamic. You grow. Things change. You are not boring. You are not just there. Routine, the same thing, over and over. Routine. Hey, Debbie. That's not the way life. That's not the way life must be led. Life must be dynamic and progressive. Every single day of your life, you must see something is going on, and something is going on because you are not growing young. You are growing old. Very soon you realize that your passion is gone, your creativity is gone, your everything is gone. Please be like the eagle. 
If at the end of the day you cannot do anything and you want to settle, settle on the highest mountain or the tallest building. Settle there. So that even in your retirement, you are better than somebody who is working. Are you, are you here? Do you understand what I'm talking about? I'm always developing ideas that will bring us progress. Developing ideas that will move us forward. Now come on me. Honey, I want to discuss something with you. You're coming to start something again, eh? You're starting too many things. I said, but why do you want us to change a winning formula? The too many things I do. Look at how we came here. Look at where we are now. It is better to cast my net wide, catch all kinds of fish, and select the bad from the select the good from the bad, than to say that let me just throw in a, a hook and catch one so that I know it's good. Then I put it down, and then I throw. Then I catch one. Then I put it down, and then I throw. People have been doing that too. Then I come to where they are. Hello, how are you doing? Then I throw my net. They say, be careful, you catch other things. I say, don't worry. I can't determine what comes out. But I can determine what I accept. And I put them to the shore. They have been there 10 hours before I came. In only one hour. I have more fish. More fish. And they look at it. Two no. Two no. They might have been using juju. Might have been using juju. You see? Until... Until people become envious of how fast you are moving in life, you are not progressive enough. Everything God created was created to move forward. Move forward. Move forward. Move forward. Move forward. Think forward. Forget the past. There's nothing in the past. Associate with people who are running. It is better to be last running with horses than to be first running with tortoises. Don't sit in the seat of, of, of mockers. Don't sit in the company of the glutons. Don't sit among the seat of gossips. Please, work with people. Associate with people who are going somewhere. Who are going somewhere. If you are in this church and I'm not your mentor and you cannot come to me for an idea, you cannot come to me for counseling, you cannot look at my life, see the way I do things, see the way I structure my life and progress, you are the biggest fool ever. I'm telling you, because standing before you, standing before you is a formula. A formula for success. A benchmark for success. What are you looking for in life? Good marriage, good job, good health, happy family. What are you looking for in life? So, if someone has it, look for the formula. Follow the formula. If I got a disease and I took one cup of water and I poured 
two spoons of salt, tablespoons of salt inside, and drank, and I got well. I get the same disease, and he said, if I do it, we say I'm copying him, so I won't do it. <laughs> you are a fool. You are going to die. You are going to die. You are going to kill yourself. One day somebody called me and said, can I come to and spend one day with you? I said, what for? He said, just to see how you spend your day. And I'll be fine. Now, the aunt also teaches that leadership is uh, success is preparation. Because the aunt prepares ahead. Winter is coming. Winter is coming. Winter is coming. So they prepared ahead. There is no, listen, the worst thing that can ever happen to you is to have an opportunity you are not prepared for. There are opportunities every day walking around before us. But you know how we are programmed? We are programmed that until we have a problem, we must not find a solution. You know why all these things going around and saying that uh, Bill Gates and co. spoke about coronavirus, spoke about coronavirus, so they are, they are illuminati, they knew it was going to come, and they were planning. Listen, these are people who are studied life. They have realized that pandemics have been coming, killing people, we should prepare. Coronavirus has been existing. Just that this virus, this variant was deadly. And they could predict that this can happen. Like we live in Ghana and we know that Accra is an earthquake prone zone. And we are doing nothing. We are just doing nothing. We are just, we are just doing nothing. We know that one day there can be there have been several tremors recently. You sleep, you wake up, you talk then you wake up. Hey, there was a tremor. Then we talk. And then people will do conference. And then we talk. And we do nothing. And we are not coming out with any engineering thing on how to build our houses and how to do anything. We will sit down. The earthquake will come. It will kill people. And we will organize a meeting again. Drink tea. <laughs> Committees means come and drink tea. <laughs> and take allowance. And go. That's why I, mean, I don't like plenty of committees, so. If there are problems there, I solve it. I keep solving it. You call people, everybody will have an opinion. You call for a meeting, you sit down with people. Simple thing. It's okay. Daddy, thank you for telling us. Let us go and think about it and come back. Hey! In this world where people are thinking on their feet, you are going to think about this and come back. Daddy, we have heard you. All of us have heard you. We are going to think about it and come. And I can tell you that immediately they get up and they leave. Everybody has forgotten what you said. <laughs> the fact that you don't have a solution immediately, that's not mean we should suspend the meeting and not listen to other person's solution. If you don't have it now, I have it. So let's implement what I have. It's not dictatorship. It is smartness. I didn't ask you not to be praying consistently and be reading consistently. You have to go and rewind your mind before you come and sit by me and give me answers. No. The mind must be functioning. It must be working. It must be progressing. Are we here? A quick ahead. Prepare ahead. Prepare ahead. Hmm. 
And some of you are sitting in some marriages. You know that this man, if he stays somewhere, he will leave me. Don't be believing God for him to stay. Once you are believing God for him to stay, start preparing. Build your shock absorbers. Build a career. Build yourself. If he walks out of your life, you'll still be standing. You'll still be standing. I mean, when you work for me and I predict you can leave me, I start preparing. Start preparing. So nobody has ever left me that has created a vacuum. I start preparing. No pastor left here that surprised me. No, 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 no. That surprised me. No. Nobody left my office that surprised me. And no vacuum has been created by anybody that has ever walked out of my life. The aunt teaches that success is providence. That's why the aunt didn't challenge the changing of the seasons. It is God. So if you want to succeed and survive, place God ahead. Are we fine? So, concluding on leadership. Concluding on leadership. Leading yourself. Concluding on leading yourself, I'm saying that. So according to the end, success is the capacity to see ahead, think ahead, act ahead, move ahead, walk ahead, equip ahead, and place God ahead. Do all these things, you'll be leading yourself. You'll be leading yourself. <laughs> Sha ba 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 ba. Are we here? Number six. Let me just two, last two, and close. Last two. You agree with last two? Okay, last two. Stewardship. Because if you work for God, He works for you. Now, now, let me tell you something about being a steward. And this scripture is so important for stewardship. Listen to this scripture very, very well. Colossians 3 23, King James Version. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily. As to the Lord, not as unto men. Whatsoever you do, whatsoever you do, dog, in Kolobu where you work, you must do it as unto God, not as unto the government of Ghana. So when human beings come to stand, come to sit before you, whether you are paid well or not, it is not about your salary. It's about the fact that God has given you the intelligence, the opportunity, and the capacity to be an oncologist. And a human being created by God has cancer sitting beside you. You cannot say, because I'm not being paid well, this person should go home and die. You must do it as unto the Lord. Are you here? You must do it as unto the Lord. But this generation is so backslided that even what we do in church, we do it as unto the pastor. Not as unto the Lord. So if the pastor offends you, you can stop the work he has given you. Because you don't do it as unto the Lord. You were in touch when I came with mommy, Mom Olivia. Was she a pastor of Pleasant Place Church? Of... 
a World Bible Missionary Church. No. She was just my wife and I brought her to church. But look at the things she was doing. Look at the follow-up. Look at the evangelism. Today, a pastor is passing the branch of a church. The, wife's, the wife would rather tell the, the husband, you kill yourself for somebody's vision. You don't go and start your church and you are following this person. Yeah? You, are, you kill yourself for somebody's vision. Because the, for me and mommy, our mindset has been, do it unto the Lord. We pastor us unto the Lord. Over 20 something years, we haven't taken salary from this church. We have not. They started buying um, electricity for my listen. Last time I told mommy, what is this electricity they are buying for us? Because what I spend in a week on this church is more than 100 times what they used to buy electricity for this. I let them stop. They shouldn't buy it. Because this person is unto the Lord. It's not unto salary. It's unto the Lord. It's unto the Lord. And the Lord has blessed us serving him. Whatever you do, listen. Most of the people who discovered here Charles Newton and the rest, they saw whatever they did, they did as a mission, an assignment by God. You see, your teaching is a ministry. You as a teacher, as you are entering into the classroom, you must do it as unto the Lord. As unto the Lord. As unto the Lord. Not as unto any man. Not as unto the government of Ghana. It doesn't matter whether your salary is good or your salary is bad. But as unto the Lord. Whatever you do. Do it as unto the Lord. And see how God will bless you. You see how God will bless you. Well, there are many people, eh? There are many, I have said people who are multi-millionaires. But I've said to myself, I don't want to be rich according to your riches. I want to be rich according to the riches of God. So my focus is not on their money. My focus is on the economy of God. What I'm doing, the blessings that will come from it. Let me show you the seven people that can never be faithful stewards. Number one, they're greedy. They focus on what they observe, not what they deserve. And it's a very serious demonic spirit. A guy used to work for me when we were at GSJR, Graduate School of Governance and Leadership. And we used to run a lot of short courses. Anytime there is a boom in the short course, and plenty of people come, and we make a lot of money, we start, start creating instigation, and we, need, we, we have to be given some allowance. We have worked hard, and people have come. We have to be given some allowance. But you know, anytime, anytime people didn't come, anytime we advertise the program, people didn't come, he never came to me and said, because people didn't come, we do our salary this month. You see the way greed praise. That's the way greed will And it covers you. It covers your eyes and you think you are fighting for your right. But it's greediness. Because if programs that stop become, do not become successful for six months, I also have to pay you. I also have to find the money to pay you. So if you become successful one month, I also have to make sure that this money we have gained must be somewhere so that I can still pay salaries. But the greedy does not see it that way. The greedy does not 
focused on what he or she deserves, but what he or she observes. His boss buys a new car and, and we are working. And we, we are working. We, we are working. But you are working. So, why? When you came to the office, you were, you were driving. And the office had turned you to be working. <laughs> are, are you here with me? They are even very greedy pastors in many churches. Now, I have told my pastors, and I have told them that just like, just like no teacher can ever build a house from a salary, unless that teacher is very good for parents to start saying, come home and teach my children and get extra income to be able to build his life. That's the way pastoring is. You can never in your life, you can never in your life build a house, buy a car, have a comfortable life pastoring. This is your ministry. Pastoring, you see what I'm doing is pastoring. But what I do beyond here. This year, mommy banned me not to go anywhere. But the love offerings I receive ministering in other churches is amazing. Can take care of my whole expenses for two years. So people sit down there and say, we have heard this man speak, Bishop Titiope. We need him. Let him come to our church. Sometimes some of them will go to Papa and say to Papa, Papa, we want your son. Then Papa will call me. JJ, <clears throat> one of my sons is sitting before me. He will call you very soon. Go and speak for him. The answer is, yes, Papa. Yes, Papa. Finished. A person calls me. Yeah, I, I was the one the Archbishop was talking about. I said, what, what, what do you want me to do for you? When? Where? I'll cancel my appo- any appointment to do it because Papa has spoken. And I'm a very value-added pastor. In fact, sometimes I feel guilty when I speak somewhere and they give me an envelope. And I open it and this check is inside. It's a one-night job. Why? Somebody would do six months to get this. Or ten more, ten years to get Why? One night. My ministry. How many of you sitting here? Will a pastor come and pray for you for a miracle to happen? And the miracle happens and you bypass the pastor and bring me the seed. You bless the pastor. The only thing you can give to any pastor in this church is your tithe. It is theologically wrong. You must bring it to the house of the Lord. But when a pastor comes to pray, you are looking for that contract. When I went under my senior pastor, I prayed with people, believe God for this woman whose husband has left her, prayed with her for almost one year. When the husband came back home, this woman always made sure there was food in my house. Every Sunday, she would beg, she would bring this and bring this aid to your fair. Without you, my marriage would have collapsed. But my senior pastor was there. My ministry. In one church, I pastored in. There was this baker whose bakery was running down. Every Monday morning, I did devotion with the workers to pray for a turnaround. I did this devotion for several months. There was a complete turnaround. Every Sunday, she comes to church in the boot of a car. In the boot of a car, bread, 
sugar, I mean, butter, whatever will take care of my family, rice, whatever, come and put it down and tell me, if, we, if it gets finished, let me know. There must be hunger and take this envelope. They should tell me, hey, Adia, why are mommy? Pastor, Adia, why are mommy? Pastor, what you have done? I was not a senior pastor. I was not the senior pastor. I was not the senior pastor. When I was the youth pastor, I would go, I would visit youth. Youth in schools. If I know Wesley girls' visitation is this, by the time the youth parents get there, the youth pastor will be there. Hey, did you hear? You came from Accra to come and visit my child in school. I say, I'm the youth pastor. Wow. Wow, that is it. Parents will be taking care of me as if I'm their firstborn. See the way they, they took the youth for camp. Use the youth camp. This is um, Pastor Kabu here. I used to use my salary to take Pastor Kabo and Co. to youth mini camp. You remember Achimota? I lead you guys to pray. We caused a revolution in the church. We brought a revival in the church. You remember my uh, Operation Hellstorm, where I was meeting with the youth Sunday morning to pray. You know how many parents came and said that you have made my children prayerful and we want to bless you. Every Sunday, I just went to church and new envelopes will come. I collect from here, collect from here, collect from here, collect from here, collect from there. I was not married. Put it in my pocket. Go to my mother. From church, I go to my mother. My sister's school fees. Could you have school fees? Go and pay this one school fees. Go and pay this one school fees. This and this and this. I just give the money. Go and pay, go and pay. I settle her. Hey, me buy so for you, my dear. So for you, my dear. I have never focused on what my senior pastor gets. Oh. But I've been focusing on what I deserve. I understood from the onset that it will not take salary for me to succeed. It will take the impact of my ministry on others. The impact of my ministry on others. There are some people who are cheaters. The only way they think they can succeed in life is to steal. They don't care who they steal from. How they steal. Put them in anything. They have to steal. They are naturally cheaters. There are some people who are envious. They are pained at the sight of the success of another man. When they see another man's success, these people, they can never be this thing. One day, one woman told us that she sat the maid servant. And we were like, we went to pray with her. You know why? The mommy and I has come here fresh. We were praying for people. And they said, oh, I've sat my maid servant. Why? She's envious of me. We are like, how can your maid servant be envious of me? Until God started prospering us, started having maid servants staying with us. Children are not living in my house as an employee, as employees. So if you get up and you're washing cars and my children are not washing cars, you are doing your work that you are getting paid for. To begin to envy my children because they will come and sit in the car you have washed. It's witchcraft. Carry go. You are gone. There are some people who are chances. They are around you. Gradually building their empire under you and waiting for the next opportunity to use your platform to advance their cause. And pastors do that a lot. Any pastor who will come and visit you in his name, watch that pastor. A person must visit you in my name. 
Hello, I'm here on behalf of the bishop to pray with you. If a pastor comes to visit you when you are sick, and after recovery, you complain that in, when I got sick, nobody came to visit me apart from Pastor Susu and so I'll mark that pastor. You are not representative of the church enough that even your visit was not counted as the church coming to visit. It was counted as you coming to visit. Who are you in this church? Am I teaching you principle, principles? And sometimes some of you don't understand these things and you create confusion in the church. If the senior pastor has never come here, you are the only one who comes here. The Lord will bless you. Why? The Lord will bless you. You are planting a seed of discord in the mind of a genuine man of God who has come to visit you. It's all these daddy's cars. You are not even come to my household to see whether I have cars or not. See, all these daddy cars will not even give you people want to ride. Then look at the way you people are visiting without cars. Oh, it's a difficult thing. Oh, oh, oh. Pray for us. And eh? when we get money, we'll buy you cars. We'll buy you cars. Pray for us. Pray for some of us. Pray because we think about you people. We think about you people. We think about We feel your pain. Which pain? Caused by who? From where? When I was working on the Sprinter's Road, where were you? I haven't never asked this church to buy me a car before. I've never even asked to celebrate my birthday before. I've not even asked you to buy me a shoe before. I have never asked this church to buy me a shoe before. So if you can buy cars for the pastors, I'll be very happy. Buy it for them. I, 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 I bought all these things. I asked the men's fellowship to pay for the, the air conditions and the speakers. He didn't pay. Oh, they didn't pay. I'm still paying. And the key time, the money is coming. And the people are taking the money from my accounts every month. I just called my accountant. Let's just go and collapse. Let's just go and pay all. And then take our hands off it. So a church that cannot... The men cannot buy speakers for the church. How will you then say that, oh, we'll buy cars for the pastors. Don't worry, we'll buy cars for the pastors. You are just being nonsense. Okay, let me not spend time on this one. Let me conclude on this other one. So, so finally for today, finally for today. Sorry, when, I, when I'm doing this series, sometimes I have a lot to share, so we go a little bit above the time. But forgive me, next week we will try and close early. Now, 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 listen. Hardship, hardship, hardship. Because it will make you strong. Listen. It depends on the way you look at hardship. And the way you view hardship. And I'm going to show you four ways people look at hardship. And how they react to hardship. So the man, I told you that if you don't pay, I'll come and say it in the church. I've said it today, Christ. Not, there are not enough people here. Next Sunday, I'll repeat it. That I, I bought speakers and uh, they still asked you to pay. You didn't pay. Next Sunday, I'll off all the air conditions and preach with our speakers. And I'll say that, okay, I'm doing it in protest of the men's fellowship. They were supposed to have paid. They haven't paid. Even their 
their, their conference, the advert I did for them, they haven't brought their money still. I'm telling you. So if your husband is a men's fellowship member, when we, when we go home, tell him that you sleep, you sleep in the guest room until you pay that this money. <laughs> okay, so, so how people view and react to hardship. For some people, they look at hardship as a trial of their faith. And therefore, they endure it. When Mommy and I were living in Teshin and we didn't have anything, we saw it as a trial of our faith. We saw it in two ways. I'll, I'll tell about the second one too. As a trial of our faith. And so we endured it. We endured it and prayed and said, Lord, we are standing firm. We are standing firm. Nothing will shake our faith. Nothing will shake us. Nothing will shake us. We got up. When Mommy was praying out to Kevin, how? See the way Kevin is big. It's anointing. Anointing why you poured on him, poured on him, poured on him, poured on him. So by the way, it's in the Bible that the oil will make your face fat. So the guy is anointed. Too anointed. Too anointed. When it comes to my room, I'm Betchester, he's Betchester. I'm like the son. <laughs> You're talking, I'm looking at him like this. I say, this boy, the oil I poured has really worked. <laughs> Mommy couldn't go to maternity. I was always pouring oil on her, on her, stop, on her tummy. Say, Lord, no money to go and see a doctor. I declare this baby, you are well in the name of Jesus. Hmm. We, we, we saw all those things as a trial of our faith. That God was taking us through a certain kind of trial. And that God will help us. And we, take, and we saw it that if our faith, if we lower our faith, we have disappointed God. If we complained, we have disappointed God. We went through it. Today, most people, when they are going through hardship, look at it as satanic attack. And they focus on witches and wizards. Well, some are true. Some of you come from backgrounds where demons and otters and things are fighting you. But if you don't take care, there's a thin line between being spiritual and being superstitious. You see, being spiritual, when you are praying, you focus more on the power of God. When you become superstitious, your prayer is motivated by fear. And you focus more on praying against the devil than praying for the power of God. When you go to churches where they are superstitious, eh, opening prayer for church will last for one hour. The first 45 minutes is to bind Satan against the service. Then the last 15 minutes is to release the power of God. Because there's there's only a thin line between being spiritual and being superstitious. Or else when you even see, when a mosquito bites you, you say witches are bought, are beating you and you go and buy a raid and you spread them in the name of jesus you will all die you will all die but raid cannot kill witches so if the mosquito that beats you or the cockroach that flew past your bed whilst you were sleeping was killed by raid it was not a witch hey i was sitting down and i saw i saw um um mouse came to pass 
And I didn't see the mouse vanished. The mouse just vanished. The mouse just vanished. But please, mouse are not visible. They know how to hide. They didn't vanish. They hide. They hid. For some people, the hardship they admit is their own mistakes. So apart from me and mommy believing that this hardship is a trial of our faith, we also came to realization that we married too quickly and too young when we had nothing. So the, the, the distressing things we were going through was as a result of our own mistakes. In fact, we were at honeymoon before I remembered that I didn't have a house. <laughs> <laughs> In the, in the scheme of things, I forgot that I had to rent a place. So from honeymoon, we went to stay in a cousin's hall. Went to stay in a cousin's hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went to stay in a cousin's hall. Until I found Brother Afres mother's own computer building. And I went and borrowed money from my father-in-law. It was the same amount of money I used to pay the bride's price. That I went to borrow. So mommy always tells me, and I didn't pay. <laughs> so mommy always tells me that you, you, you have collected your bride price, so, so <laughs> we are still boyfriend and girlfriend. So <laughs> when Jesus comes, we will not go to heaven. <laughs> because our church didn't have a housing policy, even though they transferred us. They didn't have a housing policy. I didn't go complain to people. Eh, I don't have a place to sleep. And they haven't given us. And, and they say they won't give us a place to sleep. I didn't go complaining to people. Because for me, it was a trial of my faith. It was a trial of my faith. It was not, a, it was not my pastor punishing me. It was God trying me to see how faithful I am. Oh. So when, when you see that it's your own mistake, you become a fixer. You face it. You solve it. You solve it. So I solved it. Then finally, you blame others when you are going through hardship. When you are going through hardship, you blame hey, my parents. They didn't help us. And and where I work, they don't pay us well. And you no know, no. Some people can even blame their wives. Since I married you, I've been suffering. Please let me wine. Start life again without her. You will still be suffering. It is, your, it is not a person you married. It is your attitude causing you to suffer. Hold yourself responsible for what you are going through. Right. And stop blaming people. Right. When your, your, the umbilical cord was cut between you and your mother in the labor world, you were released into your independence. Okay, okay. Let's even say it is true that your wife is the cause of your downfall. You chose to marry her. <laughs> so it's your mistake. You must correct it. Leave her alone. <laughs> it's your mistake. Ah, who forced you? <laughs> Did somebody come to force you to marry her? You married her. It's your mistake. So what do you do? You face it. Face the mistake. And leave the woman alone. Let her have a peace of mind. Let her enjoy her life. One man gave me advice, and I took it very well. So we're having a coffee somewhere in London, talking to this professor, the one who is currently the chairman, uh, president of Accra Business School. 
I said to him, I thought I was impressing him. Well, my wife owns 40% of the university and I own 60% of the university. He said, wow. But if you want to have peace and enjoy life, give it 100%. And you have life. I'm telling you, listen, let me tell all the men here before I close. All the men here. All the men here. The secret to a long lasting life, enjoyable marriage is to listen to your wife and meet her halfway. No man has ever won a contention between the, uh, the wife and the man himself. I was, I, no, no. I was just telling a man. I was just telling. I was just telling somebody some few days ago. I was just telling somebody some few days ago. I said it is natural for women not to be on talking terms with some people for one year. They don't feel it. It is not natural for men not to be on talking terms with people unless you are you are a man woman. You, 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 you get it. So I said, if you start a war with your wife at home, and you start talking, you start talking to your wife, she can last for one year. You, you can't last for one month. One month. Because men are not built like that. So you can cook a group of men. They will argue. They will fight. They will do everything. The next day they are talking. They are eating. Keep a group of women together. I'm, I'm sure that if you go to the women's fellowship, there will be women who don't talk. And they are in this church. They have been spoken for two years, five years, three years. But if you go to the men's fellowship, you, you won't find that. You won't find that. I might not like you, but I will not stop talking to you. Let's talk. So don't start those things with your wives. You won't win. Once they watch two weeks, don't have bread. Good morning. <laughs> good afternoon. <laughs> After the good evening, he knows what you want. That's why you're greeting good evening. Good evening. And then he will let the bedroom <laughs> outside. Uh, if you don't open, you see what I'll do to you. You know why you want the bed to be open. She will not open it. You will lose. Don't try. God bless you. Thank you for joining me. <laughs> I pray that the word of God will have impact on your life. Pray that God will strengthen you so that you can survive the storms. Lift up your voice in prayer. The Lord strengthen me to survive the storms. 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 Lift up your voice. The whatever storm it is, Lord, strengthen me. Strengthen me to survive the storms, Lord. Ask the Lord, Mashila Baba Baba. Shila Baba 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 Shubakotaya. Hey, Mama, Mama, Mama. Lift up that holy voice. Lift up that holy voice. Call upon the name of the Lord. Call upon the name of the Lord. Call upon the name of the Lord. Thank you, Spirit of God, for your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. You are blessed and highly favored. The hand of the Lord be upon you. The grace of the Lord rest mightily upon you. May the Lord help you sail through every storm. May the Lord help you sail through every storm. May your ship never shipwreck. May your ship never shipwreck. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Love you all.